this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Right. Welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work. This is a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's hosted by me, Kyle Sconowell, and him, Robbie Earl. Robbie, we start the day off with some breaking news. Breaking news, that's right. Man, oh man. Breaking news here on Friends from Work. Why don't you share? Wow. So yeah, I guess what just about... 48 hours ago, uh, Ryan Reynolds popped up to uh, implode the the Marvel Twitterverse <laughs> with not only the announcement and uh, formal announcement, I should say, and release date for Deadpool 3, but also the announcement that Hugh Jackman will be returning in Deadpool 3, which will take place in the MCU, as we've said. As Wolverine. Holy cow. Wow. I mean, that's one of the that's one of the bigger MCU announcements ever. Like, I don't just in terms of the following that he's had as that character and the speculation around the X-Men and the MCU. Like, that's right. a, that's a crazy one. I have so many thoughts. We haven't even I, got to talk about this. Right. I love that, first of all, they followed up that video with another video, jokingly, but aware of the questions all of us are asking. Right. There's already a huge discussion about what does that mean for the movie Logan? Mm -hmm. Does that erase what he did there? I don't know if you saw that. So much so the director even responded. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And for those of you who don't know, he, he chimed in and just was like, hey, I don't care if it's multiverse, if it's a same version, if it's different version. It doesn't change the fact that that film exists. I still love it, and I'm really excited to see what they do, which is kind of the yeah. friends from work stance on a lot of this stuff, I guess. You know, it's like that movie yeah. is gone now. Right. And, you know, a lot of people have pointed this out, but the, and we've pointed this out over and over again the X Men continuity is so all over the place. And even if even if it weren't, I mean, it is a mess. And even if it weren't a mess, Logan has never been claimed as canon, even within that that universe, because it doesn't really yeah, fit in any specific way with the others. And 
the timing doesn't really make sense. The, the memories that they have of how kind of things played out like it, I don't think that's ever supposed to, I I think I've even seen prior interviews with creators emphasizing that it's not as though the X-Men timeline, the X-Men movies that we watch, they all end in this very bleak future world that we see in Logan. I think the whole idea of that was just to have this kind of old man Logan adaptation and a very different style of film, which James Mangold did really, really well. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I just don't think that there's the one complaint that I, I guess I understand is that just from kind of a, not a plot point, but almost more spiritually letting that be the send off for Hugh Jackman. I see where people are frustrated to kind of bring him back from that. But I just, I think it's interesting. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I was thinking back to how I might've responded to this and how you might've responded to this a year or two ago, you know, back when WandaVision was, was out and we were speculating, uh, especially after that, that Pietro reveal. And and we were wondering if they were bringing in the X-Men that way and how many of the original cast members were coming in. And at the time, I think you and I were both kind of uncomfortable with that. And I find it fascinating how much I've shifted over the past couple of years, whether it's because of Mm. multiverse of madness or no way home but all these concerns I had, I just don't really care that much anymore. Like if it makes for a good story and a fun movie, and I think so far, you know, Feige and and co have have made these appearances into good stories and fun movies, mm-hmm. um, then I'm fine with it. You know, I don't know. It's it's maybe maybe as things have just gotten a little bit broader in scope in Phase Four. I'm just more forgiving of of things and and not not holding on so tightly to this continuity thing that the Infinity Saga did. Mm. And maybe that's me being a hypocrite. I don't know. What do you think? I think that if it's a sliding scale and we both were on the, let's say, the one out of 10 side as far as like, hey, keep the tightness, don't do this you've maybe slid to seven or eight, it sounds like, and I've slid to like a five. There was a massive discussion on our Slack about this Hmm. the other day. You and I have both been really, really busy. So I got back to my Slack and I check it frequently. I mean, it's our Slack, for goodness sakes. Right. Uh, And even with checking it frequently, I missed 140 messages just in the what's new in the MCU thread <laughs> oh, wow. just about this stuff. And really it was an argument from a couple listeners on one side of things. And then I think the majority of people on the other side of things, and that's just the discussion we've had for years on this podcast. Now, maybe a year, I should say I am okay with it. And I, I love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. He's one of those characters that, fits so naturally it would be hard to see somebody else like all these fan castings of a younger wolverine i totally get it but it's weird for me because i'm like wait no it's hugh jackman right that being said i am also still a little bit in the camp of you know concerned about the tightness and i know that i'm the crazy minority there so i am very excited i'll see what they do with it first before i freak out Mm -hmm. um 
But definitely, yeah, it's different than we were a year ago. It's it's kind of happening, and I feel like we're either just shifting our brains on it or not. <laughs> like, it, it's going to happen, right. right? That's what we said. So how are we going to handle it? I, I think I'm, like, overwhelmingly, people were incredibly excited about this. We got yeah. so many let's freaking go messages on all right. of our socials. Right. So I guess I'm I'm saying... I don't think I've changed my mind as much as you, but I definitely have changed it a little bit. I'm uh-huh. very, very excited, but there is always still a little bit of me that is hesitant about the tightness and what that means. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how did it, how did it hit you in the moment? Like you saw that announcement. Was it something where you were like, holy cow, this is really fun. Or did you catch yourself being like, ah, I think I'm into this, but I don't know. The second one, and here's why, and I'm ready for our audience to crush me. I need people to know that I love the MCU. That's why I started this podcast, because I fell in love with the MCU. I haven't seen Deadpool. Right. I'm not just a fan of all comic book stuff just because, like, I don't have a background with that. Mm -hmm. So I never really felt a strong desire to watch it. Obviously, now I'll be watching it, and that'll be fun, I think, for you to take me through my first viewings of it. Mm -hmm. But I don't see that and go, like, Yes, let's go, because I don't even know, which is terrible. Yeah. We'll see. And and I feel like on that side of things, I've already kind of made peace with that just once we knew that Deadpool was coming over to the MCU period. So that's why I feel like the announcement about about Hugh Jackman, like it was always, you know, those movies are, I believe, the highest grossing X-Men films ever, the two Deadpool movies. Oh, really? And they they were never going to do a hard reset, right? I mean, the, that totally that character has a following. People there there is a population of people that are really really into the version of that character that Ryan Reynolds and and the team around him have created. So and I knew Ryan that, Reynolds just in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. And so I think I always knew that they were going to have to do some some kind of hand wavy fourth wall breaking stuff Mm -hmm. to bring it over. And so I had already been slowly making peace with that because I do, I do hear you there. I mean, we talking about the WandaVision era. Well, look, and that's why I'm not anti it. I didn't say I was anti it. You just said in the moment I didn't like freak out. No, and I'm no, and I'm not saying you are. I just think that's why to me, I, I, if anything, I had that feeling more back when they first announced it was coming over. Mm -hmm. Uh, like that this would be a sequel to those first two. We still don't know with the multiverse how they're going to do it either. Yeah, no, for sure. And and we don't, I mean, we don't know. There are just a lot of, a lot of questions. I mean, I think that She-Hulk is maybe instructive in that sense, you know, in, in the way that it's dealt with some of the, the like the, the Ever Norton recasting. And it'll be interesting to see how it deals with Daredevil. And I think that those things will be instructive. But I also think what's what's interesting just from a, a kind of logistical point of view is there have been some conversations over the last couple months, really since Miss Marvel, about these contracts from the, the Fox X-Men era that apparently lock in the casting of certain characters until I think 2025. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. So 
whenever whenever the mutant announcement came in Miss Marvel, there were a, a lot of comments about, well, if they're going to start bringing mutants in, they may be contractually obligated to not recast any any of the X-Men characters that were featured in in the prior films. I I don't know. I think that's mostly referring to the like post days of or post first class days of future past lineup. So I think that would include Hugh Jackman and some of the originals, but it's maybe mostly focused on the the James McAvoy. Like James crew. McAvoy, you mean? Can't yeah. be recast? I got well, you. I, I don't know. Yeah, and and I don't think that's forever, but I think it's through twenty-five. And a lot of people are looking at this as kind of evidence of that, like since the since they're locked in, potentially, you know, utilize that, bring in, bring in the one character that people really like from that lineup. Sure. And by the way, I should add that people love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, my myself included. But when I told Annika this news, I was like, "You need to go to Twitter and check out Ryan Reynolds' post here," and she did like. It's excitement like I haven't heard in a while. I don't know why oh, she wow. just like loves Hugh Jackman. She didn't want anybody else to ever play that character, et cetera. Yeah. And I think that makes me happy. Like that makes me happier. I uh-huh. like that people feel that strongly about it. And if it's adding that much joy, I'm all in. I have this weird relationship with the X-Men where I feel like a lot of the movies aren't great and just don't pull me in. But I do get drawn to his character specifically. So right. of all the people that they're bringing over, I think it's the right call. Do you think that they will do this as a multiversal thing that Deadpool and Logan were in a different universe and somehow they get pulled in from some events that we don't know yet, maybe from Ant-Man, let's say, and then it's a scene of them like in a different universe and all of a sudden, whoa, here we are. What the heck? Or do you think they'll be like, hey, they've been around this whole time? I... I, I don't think it will be that they've been around in the MCU the whole time, just because even if you get away from the time travel stuff and all of the kind of global events that the X-Men movies have tackled, I just think the it's incompatible with the way that the MCU has dealt with mutants. I mean, even even with that one scene in, in Miss Marvel, like the and, and you don't know this yet, but even Deadpool just treats the existence of mutants as a given, treats the existence of a known X-Men team as a given. And so I think that I think that it'll be some kind of folding in, whether they they firmly root it in the multiverse and and create a way that that could come in through some sort of, like you're saying, Ant-Man vehicle, or if they just kind of treat it really fourth Wally and, and just tell us, Hey, now it's in this universe. It used to not be deal with it. I, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, it, it is interesting even outside of the MCU, like the, the second Deadpool plays with some like time travel components and now careful. And, I'm going to watch it still now. No, no, no. I know. I know. But you would know this from the, from the trailers. Uh, so that's, in and of itself kind of opening up the possibility of, of branching timelines and things like that. So I think that I could see where there would be some synergy there. Mm. But yeah, I think talking about being uncomfortable, the, the thing that would make me uncomfortable, like, you know, with Daredevil, I've said, 
I would be very okay with them just saying all of this has taken place. Everything from the Netflix series has taken place in the MCU. And easy story that, to do that with. Yeah. And I know that that's not even a majority position uh, among our own <laughs> listeners, but I would kind of be happy with that here. I would not be happy with that. I think that that would be, that's the kind of thing that would break the, the storytelling that's been going on in the MCU. I, I don't, I don't think they'll do that, but it'll be interesting to see. Do we know if contractually it's a different Foggy or Karen? Do we know that? Is that confirmed? I I did see the other day, and I think this is still in the rumor category, but maybe not. I'm sure someone will let me know. But I, I think I saw the other day that, that Eldon Hansen has been confirmed to return as Foggy. So mm. I don't. I would imagine that if that's the case, <laughs> that if at this point we now have three of the main characters from the other series, that they're not going to they're not going to explicitly clash with that series. Oh, I was gonna say, think about if you're Karen or somebody else, like you know Deborah Ann Wall, who's like everyone else gets brought back except you're recast. Oh no! Oh yeah! Like so now and at this surely, point, if Foggy's there, it's got to also be Deborah Ann Wall as Karen. I would I think. Yeah, I would think so. Otherwise, Unless they just, just write the out the brutal. Karen character. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, maybe. But then, how far does that extend? You know, like if Electra shows up, is it the same Electra, right. etc.? Yeah. Well, and like, although she can, if it's the exact same story. Okay. Yeah. I, this is okay. I, I see. I mean, well, and also like Ben Urich, you know, and yeah, right. the. And the comics has such a large role in Daredevil and, and also in Spider-Man at times. And I think one of the, you know, one of the complaints people had was as great as it was from a storytelling perspective to have been story in the way it did. And it was such a great Fisk moment. I think a lot of people, myself included, felt the absence of Ben in subsequent seasons. And so I wonder with stuff like that, you know, do they try to to retcon and, and recast. I think my, my final, I guess my final thought on this and on the, the whole like multiverse thing, I've, I've found the Lord of the Rings series to be weirdly instructive on this as well, because I don't know if you've, uh, I don't know if you, if you followed this, but the rights that Amazon purchased interestingly were were not to the Cimmerillion, this bulk of of kind of mm-hmm. pre Lord of the Rings stuff uh, that people initially thought the series would be based on. They were actually just rights to the Lord of the Rings books and the appendices, which is where some of the the stuff they're drawing from comes from. But the creators have have said that in purchasing those rights, they had to agree for one reason or another that it would not be set in the same timeline exactly as the films. So the show is not a prequel to the Lord of the Rings films. It's its own world and its own adaptation. However, the creators have also said that they were, you know, they recognize the following of the films and they respect what Jackson did. And so they have tried to, create as much of a feel of continuity as they can. 
Therefore, they brought in Howard Shore to do the theme. Wow. They brought in some of the same costume designers, some of the same set designers. And so far, they just haven't done anything that, that conflicts with the world as set up in the movies. And I wonder if that's something that we start to see happen in the context of some of these kind of Marvel-adjacent universes merging into the MCU. Mm. Here's my final thought. For me personally, I'm realizing, you know, I'm slow to adopt new things. I'm very protective of my old things. We've talked about that at nauseum mm-hmm. here. While a lot of times these announcements don't get me super hyped, they've so far handled it so well that I end up leaving way more hyped. So when I see that announcement from Ryan, I don't set the expectation super high. It doesn't do a lot for me. I'm not super jazzed. But just like when they talked about No Way Home was going to be with the other two Spider-Men, I was like, okay. But then as we got closer, I got ramped up for it. And then I left No Way Home being like, that was even better than you thought it would be. Right. Like it so far exceeded my expectations. And that has happened kind of time and time again. I've been nervous about some of the multiversal stuff, but then I thought that was handled well in Doctor Strange and in Mm -hmm. Loki. Like the finale of Loki when it actually first starts, I was as jazzed as you can be for a show. So I'm just realizing I am a, a linear ramp. These announcements don't do it for me. But that doesn't mean by the time I get to the film, I might be super, super stoked. So I just got to kind of wait and see at this point. No, that's a good that's a good observation. I I will say my final thought there is if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the actual announcement, I thought that that was very well done. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was funny. It was fun. And like you said, the follow up video. So I would encourage anyone listening that hasn't seen that to go to Ryan Reynolds Twitter. And, uh, and check that out. Candace got a kick out of it, which Candace is, is fast becoming my barometer for what excites the, the average non that, you know, the MCU fan, but not Stan. Thank you so much to everyone out there who's been listening. We're so grateful to have you on board and to have you listening along. Don't forget to check out our website, the FFWpodcast.com and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Spotify, et cetera, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Epic Hero Shop. We've talked about them a lot. They're an incredible nerd merchandise company. If you go to epicheroshop.com and use the promo code FRIENDSFROMWORK, you can save some money off your first order. Robbie, before we dive into She-Hulk Episode 7, a little update on my trivia and an update on my rewatch because... As we've talked about a lot, I'm so, so busy. You are so, so busy. So we are recording this first thing in the morning. We started Mm -hmm. pre-8 o'clock. And I'm still traveling around. But in two weeks, when I'm finally back at my studio, basically for the rest of the year, I'm so excited to get into a few more of these things and to to speed (laughs) up my rewatch, to talk about some video stuff, to do some fun things with our audience. It's going to be really, really fun. But I watched Avengers and Thor Dark World this week. So in a lot of ways, you know, a part a, a really big part of this podcast, a, yeah, a movie yeah. that's, you know, very near and dear to our hearts. Uh, two kind of thoughts real quick and then trivia. We'll get into She-Hulk episode seven. Mm-hmm. One, I'm watching Avengers and I'm flirting with the idea that on the critic list, 
is this number one or two ahead of Iron Man or behind Iron Man? So I'm going back and forth thinking like, well, as just a film goes, I actually think there's less cheesiness in Iron Man than some of the Avengers stuff. Mm-hmm. And yet the Avengers has a much better developed villain story and way more compelling than Iron Man does. So I was right. going back and forth, back and forth. And even though now that movie has a few things that are kind of goofy and wonky, I get to that end scene with like, you know, Barton where it is like, dude broke sunglasses and they're uh-huh. getting their Lamborghinis and the promise is playing by Alan Silvestri. Uh-huh. And like, I understand that it's totally just pulling at specific heartstrings. And yet I'm so emotional still like, like 15 years later, I'm watching it going like, yeah, it still gets me so ramped up when the council says, was that the plan all along? And Nick Fury says, every world knows it still just gets me so right pumped up. Like I have chills now just describing it. Can't explain it. So that's number one so far on my preference list, just because of that. I don't know why I just, it's just still so fulfilling for my heart. My second thought was that dude, I mean, when's the last time you watched Avengers? When's the last time you watched Thor Avengers and Thor dark world, like that era? Uh, so I watched, I watched Thor and Thor Dark World ahead of Love and Thunder. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, and and I, I, it has not been that long since I watched Avengers because I, I rewatch it way too much because I just love it. I, <laughs> yeah, I love sure. it so much. Like the, the further on I get, and it is so much nostalgia for sure, but the more that's one that I love to revisit. So probably at least at some point this year. We've talked about this before, but there is such a firm line of demarcation in my mind on the actor's performance for Loki. The line happens between Thor and Avengers. He mm-hmm. is not very good there. And then he is fantastic in the yeah, Avengers. It's, it's almost instantaneous, but dude, I kind of forgot that that line for me with Thor happens with dark world. Yeah. If you go back and watch Avengers, Thor is probably don't get, this is not blasphemous. He might be the worst part of the movie. Mm-hmm. He he feels still so out of place relative to how the other actors are settling into what they're trying to do. Like compare yeah. him to Scarlet. Scarlet feels like she's already knowing exactly what she's doing in that film. Mm-hmm. It's like a very similar vibe to what she's going to carry on. Thor, it still is so, um, you know, Shakespearean, even with the right. way Iron Man pokes fun of that. And then Dark World starts and it's like instantaneously a better character. yes. I get that Ragnarok is ultimately that line, but Mm -hmm. Dark World's like a whole new level for him where even though he's doing a little more of the Shakespearean thing, he just gets it better. It's more natural. You have some more sincere moments and you have some funny moments. It's not just all kind of one level, if that makes sense. It's not just bland. Yeah. No, I I agree, which I think is the reason why you and I still put Dark World ahead of Thor or at least have, although we haven't heard your updated rankings because I I think it's, it just feels like, like I, he, he feels more settled in from an acting level, but I, I also just like the, I like the character more. Like it's, it's hard to explain because he's, he's not funny in the way that he is post Ragnarok, obviously. And Ragnarok, you know, was a response to at least in part that, 
Dark World, Age of Ultron era. But every time, I mean, even even the first scene in Dark World when he shows up and fights the the rock monster that's sort of the Korg. Yeah, sort of Korg. <laughs> They're kind of uh, chanting Korg. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. Oh, are they? It's super strange. Oh, that's funny. Does Korg I mean, just mean maybe all of them? All of the Cronins, maybe? Or it's like a chant that he stole? Well, yeah, or they might I mean, out yeah, yeah. I'm sure that that was probably the the initial adaptation of that character. Uh, sure. from, you know, but anyway, that's another thing. But yeah, I, even then, whenever he shows up and he, and it, the whole, like, why is everything on fire line? And mm-hmm. he kind of grins. It's just immediately he's more charismatic to me. Yep. And I, I'm just more invested in, in the character, despite the fact that there's not really any significant plot to that movie to be invested in, which is I the, thought the wild that thing. the sincere moments is actually where it shined more. Mm. Seeing him struggle with not being with Jane is the first time we've seen him just actually show emotion and struggle with it. Yeah. Like the dinner scene, actually, when they're all feasting over their victory and he's just not present. And his uh-huh. conversation with Sif for the first time really like worked with me Right, where he's elsewhere. And, uh, Dude, here we go. Ready? <laughs> Just to keep the podcast tradition going. This is not a bad movie. Wow. It's it's really not a bad movie. Even the plot is not as bad as we make fun. It's just wow. not as bad wow. as we make fun of it for. And I don't even say that in a I don't say it in a tongue-in-cheek way. Like on my preference list, I think people are gonna be shocked how much higher it is on my preference list uh-huh. than the critic list. And even the critic list, I think it's it's not the worst movie at all. And yeah, preference wise, it's just such an easier watch than some of the other films. Yeah. Everything it is, an is easy better. Watch. Everything is better over Thor, except for the fact that the plot's a little far fetched. But even the stuff that we make fun of is not as far fetched, I don't think, anymore. But yeah, I think I don't love that it's so, the stakes are so high that it's galaxy yeah, threatening. Right. I don't love that. That's like, come on. Yeah. I know I agree. I mean, it is funny. I remember vividly the the episode that we did in our rewatch on Thor the Dark World, which is still kind of one of my favorite <laughs> friends from work moments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I remember saying, and I think about this now every time I rewatch it, that especially the section that starts with Loki being broken out of prison and all the interactions between him and Thor oh. after that. Like that's like narrating is his plan. Good. Yeah, he's like narrating his plan, but you're seeing it at the same time. It's so right. clever. It's really cool. And the little Chris Evans cameo is always fun. Yes. Yeah, I mean the music is so good. That was my yeah. final thought too. Yeah. Is that yeah. of all the trilogies, I don't even think it's very close. Thor has the best music. Wow. Of the original trilogies, it's it's I love all three films. The music. Yeah. No, I think I think that's fair. I think I've I think I've said something similar. It's an interesting case of of what your preference is for a comic book movie because there is you know like a lot of the push post Love and Thunder was not oh, you know, we need more Dark World, it was we need more Kenneth Branagh Thor. And I think I think maybe that that first one was for people that wanted a comic booky feeling thing. But 
still taking itself semi-seriously. That's what they liked about Thor, because so much of it is still goofy and kind of like we've talked some about camp. There are elements of that there, more so than I would say in, in the Dark World, which is bringing in that Alan Taylor, Game of thrones kind of vibe that's a little bit not nearly as gritty. It's a little wittier, too, though. Yeah, well, Marcus McFeely. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so I, which is a huge part of why I love that one so much because I just enjoy the script. But yeah, I think, I think it's like I, 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 I like Dark World because it's an easier watch. It feels like a character I, I'm actually invested in, and it just feels like it fits in the MCU more for some reason. Like it, I, I don't know. Like I, every time I watch it, I get more out of it. But I also understand why people feel like it's it's kind of bland. Like the same reasons I think that it actually it it, it fits better and has a better rhythm. I think some people would point to as the reason why it's boring and doesn't do anything for the character compared to the first Thor. But I, 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 I you know, but I love when the cops show up and they're like, "Back off, she's dangerous," and Thor just goes. So am I. And then, yeah. boosh, Bifrost, you hear, right. and it's like, yes, let's go. Yeah. I'm into yeah. it, dude. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I love Thor Dark World so sue me. I'm, I'm not oh, playing I love it, it sarcastically I love it. anymore. I also feel like you have come in the it way that you're talking about good. this. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Yeah. The, <laughs> you have come to a spot now several years in this podcast that that I, I don't think I ever, (laughs) I don't think I ever knew. Like, I mean, when we were first having our, our (laughs) famous or infamous uh, phone conversations that led to this podcast, I remember the day that I brought up, when's the last time you watched Thor the Dark World? (laughs) And you were like, Robbie, no. (laughs) I'm laughing about like, I'm almost borderline tears thinking about how much respect I'm losing with our audience when I can't get, I can't get jazzed about Deadpool and Wolverine, but I get so excited that I'm like borderline tears about Thor Dark World. What the heck? It gets me so jazzed when he does the Bifrost traveling. I'm sorry. I love it. What a day. Okay, anyways, let me do my trivia. Uh, As an update to last week, I really stumped people with the Incredible Hulk one. Almost nobody got it right. Everyone got the Thor one right, but nobody got the Incredible Hulk right until a friend of ours really recently from London. So I have to ship a shirt to London now. (laughs) That costs more money. Jokes on on me, but this is a hard one. And this is why I I thought this would be kind of different. The quote was... If you remember, go back to Incredible Hulk for a second. They're setting uh-huh. up these injections for a meal. Right, right. And the doctor says, you'll get two separate infusions. Then he says, one into the deep muscle and one into the bone marrow. That was the answer. But the follow-up uh-huh. line that I love is he goes, the bone one's going to hurt. <laughs> and that's the quote I wanted you to get. I and I was watching the saying- movie going, okay, this would be a fun trivia, something different, but – why is he so excited about how bad the second one's going to hurt? I know. I've always noticed that delivery. Is the actual line the bone one? The bone ones That's are going to hurt. I feel like I was I was correcting that in my mind to the second one's going to hurt, but the bone, the bone one, one is one. so much better. 
why why is he excited about it? I don't understand that delivery. Because he's an evil scientist, you know? <laughs> I guess. He's like, this one's going to hurt. So that's the answer to that one. And then the Thor trivia I said was, S.H.I.E.L.D. shows up and takes all of Jane's stuff, but Darcy's concerned about losing her... iPod. iPod, correct. A lot of people got that yeah. right, so good work. And now... She just, she just downloaded 30 new songs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the funny thing. I think it is 30, right? And a lot of people were like, didn't she download like 50,000 songs? I'm like, no, 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 no. This right. is 12 years ago when, when you could only have like 115 songs on there or whatever. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, trivia time. Here we go. Oh, yeah. First New up. trivia. The Avengers. Again, I'm going to go a little bit different. A quote. Okay, so Loki kind of gets turned in in Germany by Captain America and Iron Man, and they get on the Quinjet and they're headed back to the helicarrier, right? Uh -huh. It's nighttime. You remember uh -huh. this scene? Yep. And he's just sitting calmly in the back, and Tony and Steve are having a conversation in the front. This is before Thor shows up, and you know, I'm not overly uh -huh. fond of what usually follows, etc. Uh -huh. Some fun dialogue there. But they're talking, and it's the first time really Tony and Cap have talked. And Cap says, I don't like it. And then Tony responds and says, what, Loki just giving up so easily? Okay. Uh -huh. But he doesn't say Loki. He gives him a nickname right there. What is the nickname he gives Loki? You know, he has all his quips and his one-liners. Right. What is the nickname right there that he calls Loki? What, blank, giving up so easily? Oh, man. See, I I know. I keep, I want to say reindeer games, but that's that's from <laughs> the scene prior. But don't answer either because I'm giving away a shirt. But yeah. Oh, yep. I should know this. And one. like, you know, he calls Thor point break. Right, right. Later, he says he's a full tilt diva. Like, he's got all these things, yeah. but. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to think. I, I should be able to get that one. I'm going to see if I can get a shirt. Trivia question number two. I think this one's a little bit easier. Thor, the Dark World. Mm hmm. What borough specifically does Eric Selvig discover the convergence is going to take place in? So they're in London, but what area specifically are they like, oh, this is where it's happening? Uh-huh. I Okay, I do think I know that one. There you go. Wow, okay. These are good. You've done a good job. It's been a fun thing for me to rewatch, to get back into the MCU, to have these two separate ranking lists, and to come up mm -hmm. with one trivia question while I'm watching. All right, She-Hulk, episode seven. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Great. She-Hulk episode seven, titled The Retreat, is the final episode here directed by our friend Anuvalia. And this is the episode that was written by Zeb Wells, who I think I've, I've brought up once I saw he was going to be on the show because he is a, uh, I mean, he's a major writer for Marvel Comics and right now is writing the flagship title, The Amazing Spider-Man. I think he is one of the funnier writers in general. Uh, I really, I, I like I like that aspect, but I also just like his sensibilities, and, and I think he can create an emotional moment. And I, I say that because I had totally forgotten this was his week, and I got it this morning to watch this episode with Candace, who, by the way, is following along in real time. Like I said, this is the first show that I think she's she's done that for. Even um, at 7 a.m. Yeah, yeah. So, and she was she was laughing and loving it at 7 a.m., which, by the way, makes it so much more fun for me than, mm. just, you know, watching it silently with headphones on. Well, but, and I had the exact opposite experience. I'm in a hotel <laughs> by myself in Mississippi and watching it at 6.30 a.m. on my phone. I don't know. It just wasn't as effective this time because yeah. oh, I wasn't watching it with Annika and, you know, at nighttime. And- yeah, that's – see, I, I, I feel like that's – See, I feel like that's telling, uh, but I I forgot about it. I think maybe I had in the back of my mind he was he was writing episode eight, and I turned to Candace probably ten minutes in, and said, "Wow, you know, already this is probably my favorite writing that we've gotten, just in terms of the dialogue and and the rhythm of it, the banter," and she agreed. And then I saw the credits roll and saw Zeb Wells' name, and I was like, wow, well, that makes sense, because I obviously like his writing. So I was, spoiler alert, very happy with that aspect of this episode in particular, but I was also pretty happy with this episode. Uh, And to remind folks, not a ton happened, uh, so I think it's important that the writing was great. We start off following up with Josh, who we speculated a lot about last week, this really great montage, I thought, set to a Haim song, and it was directed really well. And we see the, the early days of this relationship leading up to Jen and Josh hooking up and then her essentially being ghosted. Another thing that I thought was really well visualized, her kind of constantly waiting on the text. And even the, the way they show the conversation prior to her being ghosted, it's just such a realistic way of depicting that. <laughs> that feeling of trying to figure out how things went from being so great to now you can't get this person to respond, like gives me, it it triggers dating PTSD. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But that all kind of culminates in this call that Jen gets from Blonsky's parole officer that his inhibitor has gone off for some reason. Uh, And so he's thinking he's turned into abomination, asks her to come up primarily to be She-Hulk and kind of offer some protection. So she heads up with the parole officer to Blonsky's ranch, finds he has not turned into abomination, but at least, according to him, uh, only triggered something because he hit (laughs) the electric fence trying to catch his chicken that was trapped. (laughs) His favorite chicken. Uh, We find out that he has created this whole retreat center as he had said he would and so we see some of the folks that he's leading through therapy which we get some more kind of fun d-list marvel characters out of that 
including Manbull, Alagula, Porcupine, Saracen, and Wrecker of the Wrecking Crew. So Jen, not able to get service, not able to hear back from Josh, who hasn't texted her back anyway, is finally convinced by Blonsky to enter into the therapy circle and has this actually kind of meaningful moment of realizing what she's been having to kind of dance around for so much of the show, uh, which is that tension she feels between who She-Hulk is and who Jen is and the fact that she's kind of weirdly become jealous of herself. After that resolution, she leaves and we find out that three days earlier when Josh had ghosted her, he had in fact been like we thought working with Hulk King and had not only stolen Jen's blood uh, like we thought he would, but also copied all the data from her phone. And it leaves us on that cliffhanger with two episodes left. I want to ask you a question there. A lot of people were debating this on Slack this morning. Mm-hmm. This is kind of grotesque. I'm not trying to be weird here. But did he actually already get the blood, like, during sex? Is, is that what that emoji was, that he had it already? Oh, that's a good... So I did wonder, like, people wouldn't that People were confused have... if he was, like, kind of being, like, I know how to get it, or I'm close, or did, like, he do it during intercourse and we just didn't see that. <laughs> I'm serious though, like, because he did, because it doesn't show him grabbing, I'm not trying to be weird, it doesn't show him grabbing the blood right. on the way out. Well, my, my read, <laughs> my read of the text was that he had gotten it somehow. That's what I, I did. I did wonder through the episode what, because, you know, my, that was my assumption whenever he ghosted her was that that's what had happened. Yeah, his job was but finished, I, yeah. But I kept thinking, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't she wake up if she felt him, like, inject her with a syringe or something? And and, and I guess I, I thought, well, maybe whoever he's working with has some way of extracting blood that would be... Yeah, I'm uh, not going here. Undetectable but. or whatever. I, I don't know. But, uh, but no, I mean, I... I, <laughs> I think it's I more that it happened she was at a moment where she... <laughs> no, 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 no. I just no, figured no, it was when she was asleep that he, like, he she would wake that. up. It's a needle. I know, but but maybe I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, I just don't. Yeah, I don't know. Stop. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not going here. Uh, I mean, it's a valid question, but but yeah. But he has the blood. Yes, I that's think. my that's my take. Me I mean, too. we'll Me see, too. but um, but yeah. I mean, it's interesting that they real they didn't show a vial of blood. I thought it was an effective way in just that one shot of him texting to show both that that is what he was after and that he is working with whoever Hulk King is. Dang, Josh. What an absolute piece. I mean, she just worked through all this stuff, and now she's going to find out that the one guy she thought that liked her as Jen still didn't. Dude, also, what a creep taking the picture of her in bed. Like, I... It's a bummer because Candace was, was very team Josh and really wanted him to not be bad. But yeah, I know. I mean, obviously, the stealing her phone data and her blood is is probably the the biggest infraction there. But mm-hmm. just the little skeezy, I'm going to take a picture of her asleep in bed without a shirt on is pretty pretty gross. I think between that, 
being what we predicted and being a little obvious and and because the episode didn't really have an A and B story. Mm. Remember how yeah. so many of these episodes have had two different things that mm. kind of connect yeah. at the end. This one's been pretty much just she went to the retreat. I thought the writing was fantastic, but the rest of the episode wasn't as much for me. Wasn't It wasn't poorly done. It's just like you said last week, some you prefer more than others. This totally. one was not my favorite as far. It just felt like we weren't moving very many places. But I really do love that Emil is actually running a retreat and actually uh-huh. counseling people, like, helpfully. Yeah. <laughs> actually. I, I love – so I think what I liked about this from a, a macro She-Hulk perspective is what it did with the seeds that they planted in those Blonsky episodes earlier because I remember people saying that the whole, you know, enlightened villain thing was a little cliche when they first did it. I didn't necessarily feel that way, but I think I saw where people were coming from. And, you know, in that, in those early episodes, there were some funny moments, but I wasn't, that wasn't like the funniest thing that She-Hulk has done so far. Sure. And so had it just ended there, I would have been like, oh yeah, I mean, it was a fun way to bring him back. But having them actually play that out and and what that allows them to do with these scenes, with these villains like Man Bull, I thought made that setup so much more worthwhile. And it, it gave us yet another twist because they came up and even in that opening scene, and maybe this will still be the case, with Blonsky, I was like, he's acting a little bit less... Like You're kind of waiting for him to turn. Like, all of a yeah. sudden, he's going to have a bad sign. Yeah. Yeah. But then, and like, when he actually sits down and counsels everyone, and they're actually making really good progress. Right. Right. <laughs> it was like, okay, like, I love that they got me again to think, oh, maybe he was tricking us, and he, he really is evil and not. So, I, I, I <laughs> by the way, I loved all of the quotes that were up around the compound. Oh, yeah. from Blonsky. <laughs> so yeah. it was like, yeah. it's his own place. But like all of the, the the lines he had, the way he interacted with the with these guys, even whenever he was kind of in, in a more exasperated spot, it was all just hilarious. And and the like the intro with Manbull and the yeah. line like "Freaky Lab Accident," don't ask. The <laughs> The whole like I am I am not a matador. I did do some light matadoring in college. No, oh, I knew it. <laughs> Swashbuckler. <laughs> like Spanish is not an ethnicity; it's a language. <laughs> Have you heard of the country Spain? <laughs> it was just like I I laughed probably more this episode than I have any other. Even even though I recognize that, you know, from like a, a plot perspective less happened just the the screenplay i thought was phenomenal here i would like to watch it again with Annika next week because i bet i'll laugh even more than like you said the environment matters you know yeah yeah for sure i also love the the bringing back the wrecking crew guy which you know i i thought was another interesting way of sort of subverting at least in the moment our expectations and making the ending less predictable because, you know, I had thought with them focusing back on the wrecking crew thing. And I said this last week that Josh was a member of that, that he was maybe the guy with the ski mask on. And 
that may or may not have been the case. I think we probably would have gotten that reveal now if that were the case. But whenever we saw someone show up from the wrecking crew, I was like, okay, well, maybe it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, and I was trying to figure out what the connection was. If that was another nefarious thing, if he was sent there intentionally, if, if maybe Jen had been lured there intentionally by Blonsky. And so I was, my mind was racing, trying to figure out what that reveal was such that whenever they did give us the three days earlier thing, I had kind of forgotten about that piece of it. Just the And I wonder if there's more there though. Cause he was trying to get her blood. Yeah. Yeah. Not long ago. And maybe he's fully converted because <laughs> of Blonsky, but then he would have some things to tell Jen, right? As a heads up. Yeah. Yeah, true. I mean, and that's I'm i I'm so curious how some of that stuff like even some of the stuff we talked about last week with the wedding and how Josh knew to go to the wedding and mm-hmm. and how you know Hulk King had surveillance set up in that way. Well, somebody's pulling the strings, yeah. But, you know, like is that was that just a oh, they found out she was gonna be at that wedding and Titania also happened yes. to be at that wedding and, no. and that was all coincidence. No, or, Titania is also hired, I think. Yeah. Like I mean, Josh. I, Titania is the same role as Josh ish. Okay, you think they're reporting to the same? Yeah, I think. King. Yeah. I think that's probably true. Regarding Josh, do you think it could have been done where he actually was genuinely just good? I'm trying to process if that would have been more effective for me or how they would have pulled that off. I think they could have. And I think I probably would have appreciated them doing the less predictable thing. But like I said, I think the way they executed it here made it a little bit less predictable to me. So I was okay with it. I think what they're going to do, and I think what I'm going to really appreciate and what's going to be really cool, this is all prediction, but I think they're going to end up using this as a really healing moment for Jen in realizing that she doesn't need the approval of another guy or somebody else to still be self-confident and have that wholeness. Mm -hmm. And so by having Josh still be bad, it's not going to be a crushing blow to her because she's fully realizing her own self-worth without Josh or without any guy. And well, and I kind of appreciated that. Like one thing I was worried about as the episode was ending, you know, if Josh had been good, then I was going to be like, oh, man, like she just went through yes. all this to like delete his number and cut him out. And if, in fact, he has just been, you know, like kidnapped or something, then that would kind of undo some of that realization. Yeah, but also realizing that you wouldn't have as powerful of a moment potentially if she only got that confidence once she met the guy. Yeah, yeah. That being True. said, I still would like her to <laughs> be happy in certain scenarios. So hopefully there's still a way to do it. And maybe Matthew Murdoch plays a yeah. role in that now. That's so, what's weird. It's like now that kind of took Josh off the table. <laughs> right. Well, and that's that's another point I wanted to make is I I was always wondering if that line that we got from the midseason trailer was actually a, a red herring and that it wasn't about Matthew. Like – you know, they're showing Daredevil, but maybe they just edited it in such a way to make us think she's talking about Murdoch, but she's not. But now I think even if that line itself doesn't make it in, which happens sometimes, 
I think they have set it up for her to kind of find, get her own self-realization to your point and then meet Matt, not needing that from him. Like she's not now needing Matt to save her in some way. She's coming to Matt from a, a better, healthier spot. And in that way, I feel like this episode is actually kind of important. And you wonder if that line that Matthew said is actually maybe the send off to the show. Yeah. Maybe that's not pre a fight with Matt, but maybe after they go through all that, they're like reflecting on what happened and he's about to leave her and go back to hell's kitchen. And he says like, just remember like, you can help when blah, blah. And you know, maybe. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. I mean, it's just, it's, it's making me extra excited to see how he fits in. Uh, which I, I think I was not expecting to see him here because I, I had seen some some things online about him being more in episode eight and or maybe nine. But were you were you expecting him? Were you disappointed to not get any Daredevil time? No, I was not disappointed. I was not expecting him only because I saw the previously on that they were highlighting. And oh, yeah, like, you know, they released those a couple days in advance. Right. And the promo seemed to be more about this retreat and not about anything that Matthew would be a part of. By the way, Greg said this on Slack, and I, I'm not 100% sure it's true. I think it is. I didn't catch this. But he said that the the tow truck was from Slot Towing, and the driver's oh, name was fun. Dan. Yeah. The driver's name was Dan. That's oh, cool. man, that's awesome. Thought you'd like that. If yeah, that's yeah, true, I, I like love that. that kind of stuff. Uh, man, people find that stuff so quickly. Um, yeah, I also wanted to, to call attention to something that was in the previously on from last week's episode that I, I don't think we discussed. And that's when Jen is drunk at the wedding and trying to call Bruce. And he's obviously gone. He's off world. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. And a couple things about that. One, <clears throat> one, you know, we had Douglas woke on the show at one point to talk about the the way that Marvel comics is always really loath to commit to any particular timeline. They'll always use comments like weeks later, months later, a long time ago so that they don't have to, you know, get overly locked in. And so I thought the line from Jen, when she's like, it's been weeks or days or months or whatever, (laughs) since we talked was funny again on like the fourth wall level. Okay. Uh, but also, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that they made a point to follow up with that there. Because I don't, I think that I had sort of seen that moment of Bruce going off in the spaceship as, you know, kind of the end of, of the Bruce connection for She-Hulk and that setting up whatever next Bruce project might come. But mm-hmm. now it makes me wonder if we are going to get a little bit more on that before the series is over. Do you think? That's what I was going to ask. I, I I mean it would make a it would make an excellent post credit scene. Uh, I think we won't see him again, but there'll be another reference for sure. I think like yeah. oh why isn't Bruce here at this moment or I don't know something. Yeah yeah I mean I think it's it's so interesting the comments that Ruffalo made about seeing how they could do another Hulk project and I'm I'm curious if any part of that was him, Andrew Garfielding us, or mm-hmm. if 
if you know he that what there there is no additional follow up because there is nothing currently in place at all. Uh, and that's why like I think what I just what I've loved so much about the show is I have these questions that I am curious to get answers to. But I'm almost just curious to see what the show does with it. I, it's not in a way that is driving the whole bus for me or is is even that like if, if some of these like if we don't get any follow up on Bruce, I'm not going to be bummed. It's not going to be something that that ruins the show in any way. But it's like they have created these little questions that so far I think they've actually done a good job of of kind of coming back to here and there. And and I, I, I think it's just been a really great balance specifically for this sort of genre. And it's just it's one more reason for me to note now. I mean, we're seven episodes in to this nine episode season and I am just so impressed with the consistency here with the balancing of tones the the way that they've handled the comedy the way that they've integrated these various characters and plot lines and yeah I just I am again you know knock on wood because we've got two more episodes uh but man I'm I'm really really a fan of of this one as really as much as I have been of any Disney plus show so far I think and so your grade for this episode would be? My grade is going to be a let's freaking go. Wow. I Love just, that. I I had so much fun watching it. And again, that could be influenced by my, by my environment, watching it with Candace. But yeah, I mean, if, if we got just endless amounts of this Zeb Wells, uh, a new Valia, She-Hulk combo, I think I would be pretty happy camper what about you so i want to follow up on everything you just said i think we're in total agreement here in that this show has just become a really fun joy in my life one of our listeners ida on slack said it i think kind of perfectly for me it's never going to reach the highest highs of certain shows, but it's a comfort watch, like slipping into well-worn slippers. <laughs> Episode like this week's is not something that you often see, and it's just so precious to be told that you are valid and your feelings matter. And I think that's what it is. It's like I don't put it on thinking I'm going to get those things that you're talking about, those answers to questions or like that it's going to revolve around some revolutionary thing. Right. But we got a message asking us to be more critical. And this person was frustrated at this show by the power levels thing. Like how can Jen, if she's as strong as Hulk, punch someone in the head and have him not get knocked out? And the CGI again, to which I would say, okay, first of all, we both just are genuinely enjoying the show. I think when you get to the end of this, you're going to be right. surprised at how high it ranks in my Disney plus rankings. So I'm just loving it in general. It's not that mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be critical. It's that I don't have things to be critical about regarding the CGI. I feel like we've brought up when it has been a little less effective. It's not the best CGI ever, but because the show's a comedy, it doesn't pull me out very often because in fact, I think the most I get pulled out is in the action sequences from mm. her. 
And that's where, to your point, you've brought up weeks ago, like you would love to see a She-Hulk film budget, a She-Hulk movie for those fighting scenes. Because, yeah, it doesn't feel as natural as the Hulk in the Avengers, for example, Mm -hmm. yet. But I think it can get there. And this show is steering away from that because it's not about that. So it isn't the best CGI, but it hasn't bothered me enough to really ruin the show. Well, and I think one thing you brought up early on is that, I mean, the CGI is the CGI, right? And it's the same. Everyone's referring specifically to the She-Hulk character CGI. And I don't know that there's a ton of benefit of us every single episode weighing in on that same animation. Uh, Sure. You know, which does not mean we're, we're saying that it's always great. I just, at some point, there's not much more to say on that. And admittedly, I haven't been thrown off by the power levels. I don't think they've made her abnormally strong. And I don't think there's any indication that every time she punches, it's at 110% to kill the person. Right. So is it not believable to say, like, when she's being attacked, she's just throwing the guy off, but she's not like, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to break his neck? Do I think she could rip his head off? Yeah. But she's maybe not trying to do that. Well, and she has control, right? Like to your point. And so I think about it more. The comics have always been huge on Spider-Man in particular pulling punches because obviously, you know, Spider-Man is not as strong as the Hulk, but we also see him, you know, lift cars and stuff. And so I think you can make the same argument whenever you see him going around and, and webbing up people, you know, why doesn't he punch people's heads off whenever he's fighting them? And the idea is he's intentionally kind of controlling the amount of strength that he utilizes. So that's how I've been viewing this. And I think just in general, it's an interesting point, though, because I'm watching this show for such a different reason. Like, my power level Mm. radar is not even really, like, up. It's not going off because Uh I'm not even really watching the show for power levels, and I'm not watching it for CGI. You know what I mean? Like, I'm watching for a breezy joyful comedy with a bunch of Easter eggs. Like get why you're saying that, but like not even where I'm at headspace wise. And so all that to say, I'm just really, really enjoying it on a specific episode level. I was a little bit bummed that there wasn't more plot, right? Like there wasn't two stories like I talked about. Right. And maybe I was wondering if the Josh thing was a little bit predictable. So for me, (laughs) for those reasons, Shark Tank. (laughs) I'm out. <laughs> and for me, <laughs> this episode is a let's go. Okay, nice. Very fair. And and one more comment just based on some some messages that we've gotten about She-Hulk and, and how much we've loved it. Sometimes I, I feel like people have, have this idea that as we've gotten the chance to work more with folks at, at Disney, that it's helpful for us to review things more positively to keep those relationships going. And I just want to clarify, that is not at all the case. There have been projects that we have not loved on the show that we have gotten the chance to talk with folks associated with, as have a lot of other podcast hosts and media journalists. So I don't want people to ever think that we have some hidden agenda or any other reason to enjoy something or to to review it positively other than the fact that we like it, which I think is also evidenced by the fact that we have been critical of a lot of other things very recently, even this year. And, you know, that's a testament to 
Marvel's done some stuff really, really well recently and some stuff not as well. But it just so happens that you and I both think that She-Hulk is is very much in that former category. It's funny. We were just reflecting on this the other day that it seems really weird that some of the projects that we had lower on our lists are actually some of our favorite interviews ever. Like you and I both yeah. don't have the Eternals ranked very high, but right. if I asked you with a gun to your head right now, what was your favorite interview? The Firpo's interview yeah. was maybe one of our favorites ever. Yeah, that's a really good point. We've had that a couple times too. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like Anjali Bamani was really, really, really fun for me, even though there were parts of Miss Marvel that I didn't like as much. Yeah. Well, and and what if is the show that I think you and I talk about the least, think about the least, but we've loved getting to know AC Bradley. And yeah, that's true. She was one that, of our favorites. Yep. We are not paid by Disney, although if they want to, we will hey, take it. Hey. <laughs> but I could save a it, lot of money on uh on steelbooks. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I've now got like my entire retirement and uh, by the way, this is the most random thing ever, but now we're talking about uh, Disney and we're off we're off the rails here. I was just going to say, I saw a couple people debating how the interview process even worked with us on Slack. This is really random, but I just want to clarify something. Some of the interviews that we've gotten, guys, are because we reach out and we set the interview up via their representation and it happens on our side of things. Like we're running the Zoom or whatever we're using mm-hmm at the time. And a lot of times on those interviews, it's Robbie and I and the guest, but then they have representation watching. And then as a courtesy, we'll notify our Disney rep to say, Hey, we are interviewing one of your people. And sometimes Disney will have somebody sitting in there as well. But on those interviews, we have full access and reign to edit them, release them as soon as possible, whatever. So people were debating that because Disney doesn't have to clear it, quote unquote, We just, as a courtesy, let them know. But there are also what they call like media days for certain talent where Disney in promo of a show will line up like 30 interviews in 15-minute slots for a writer or a director or an actor or whatever. And they just sit in front of a camera all day answering the same questions. And Disney runs that. It's actually a separate media company that runs it. And so sometimes the interviews are us jumping in on those And then if that's the case, it's not that Disney has to approve it. It's that they have the actual files. And so they have like 30 they have to go through. So it takes some time and then they'll send them to us. We could still release it when we want. I just didn't have them. So because a lot of people, that's so random. That that just excluded like 95% of our audience. But people were debating about like, does Disney have to approve it? Because I made the comment, by the way, we don't have this interview yet. And they, they thought that meant... It's because, right. like, Disney's withholding it for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Disney does always pull out the, uh, like, whenever we use expletives and get really violent in the interviews. <laughs> yeah. but- <laughs> we scream at them. <laughs> they take that part out. But, you know, they keep coming back, so it's fine. No, I'm glad you I'm glad you clarified that because I never thought about, yeah, people don't really understand how that process works. But What a random case, tangent that nobody needs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No one needs to know. <laughs> Um, the, the point being that, uh, when we say we've enjoyed She-Hulk, you can trust that we have enjoyed She-Hulk, but I am especially curious to hear folks' thoughts on this week's episode, because like we said, it, I think it really does come down to how much you like this writing, how much you like 
these kinds of comedic interactions over like moving the ball forward moments. So yeah, let us know on socials, join the Slack if you haven't yet, uh, reach out through our website at the FFWpodcast.com and let us know what you thought of She-Hulk episode seven and what you're thinking about She-Hulk as a series in general. Thanks, guys. There's going to be a lot coming up in the upcoming weeks. Just as a reminder, we still have two more episodes of She-Hulk to go, two of the bigger episodes, I'm assuming, and Werewolf by Night comes out soon, and so we will give our spoiler-free preview of that and or initial reactions. I'm not sure if we're going to break those out yet or whatever, Uh, but that's coming up. Plus, we've promised a lot of stuff over on Friends from Work Plus, which is our bonus content. And so lots coming out. Excited to get into all of it with you. And then, by the way, Robbie, just as a quick tidbit, once that's done, we're in Black Panther world, dude. Let's oh, yeah, go. we are. Man, which we're, we're working on some fun things on that side as well. No doubt. Thank you, guys. We love you all. We'll see you next week here on Friends from Work. Friends from Work.